You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. So, do you love your office chair? No. Sid Talk. Look at me. Do I look like I love it? <laughs> I like the exaggerated position that you go into. This is how I have to sit in this chair with my big brown butt. Actually, when you do that. Maybe it's just that I hate my... No, I like my butt. It's in, fine. No, you know when you just did that? That yes. pose you do on the chair. Look at the cover for this week's movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually. Oh, dear. It says the same thing. I've been abducted <laughs> by aliens. Oh, was that a spoiler? No. No, not really. Uh, so what was our before the after the show discussion? How it was about I chairs. I hate my chair. Yeah, you hate your chair. My chair I really love. But I was saying to you, office chairs. This office chair is seen better days. It's uh, the arms of it are really kind of gross. They're, do you think anyone cares? I've taped them up with uh, duct tape, and but, and I've said to you, I would, I really would like a new chair, but I hate to lose the old chair because it feels so comfortable. Because it, I mean, it shapes to you, doesn't it? it and it's like a. So you go and buy, you go and look at some new chairs. Every single one you sit in, for me, I was like, oh, it's not really quite the same. It doesn't feel the same. It's like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I want a new chair, but I, I, I know that I'll sit in a. You go in, you go in stables, and you sit in every single chair. And there's not one that. There's just, not one yeah. that's perfect, is it ever? Well, the one that's perfect, you look at. Oh, that one's four ninety nine. Uh, yeah, that's the most expensive. one. <laughs> so that's Office Chair Weekly. Well, um, yeah. It's... It's Saturday, June the 1st, 2013. This is after the show number 277. The movie we're looking at this week... Oh, this is a podcast where we review movies. I'd better uh, tell you about that. And I knew that already. Yeah, but you're not the listeners. So um, the movie... Imagine if you were the, f- the first time you'd found this. You'd be like, what the hell is this? Office chairs? What are they talking about? After the show? Talking about chairs? So the movie we're looking at this week is Dark Skies. This is a 2013 movie. It's released on Blu-ray on the 28th of uh, May. So you can pick it up now. Uh, It's PG-13. It's from our friends at Anchor Bay. And there is a tagline to this movie on the poster. And the poster is, Once you have been chosen, you belong to them. So how could what I said be a spoiler? Right. <laughs> I think that kind of sums it up. So Sid Talk, as she does usually uh, at this juncture in the show, is going to give you the synopsis of Dark Skies. Once they've chosen you, they never let you go. I think that's my summary. It may be, it's very similar to the tagline. <laughs> a family starts having weird things happen in their house. Then you get... To be aware that it's potentially some sort of extraterrestrial involvement. And it's kind of more about the family than it is about the aliens, but I'm sure we'll go into that. Alright, so going on to the movie, Dark Skies. We just watched it. To me, here's another summary. It is a conspiracy theorist who believes in Grey's Holy Grail kind of movie-ish. Maybe not the highest quality, but, I mean, it's playing to that audience big time. Yeah. Um, So, Dark Skies. um, We saw the trailer to this 
maybe a year ago in the cinemas when we went to see Prometheus. The, the, the trailer to this was on. Mm. And the trailer made it seem like... Um, I thought I'd seen her banging her head. Yeah, that, that was one of the scenes. Uh, the trailer made it seem really creepy. I remember thinking, That's, that looks really creepy. Yeah. Like, um, just weird. And it didn't allude to aliens on the trailer. It was... It could have been ghosts. It could have been anything. It was just like something shit is happening to this family and this is it. Possession or poltergeist or anything. Um, so... What I want to say about this movie, it starts with this awesome quote by Arthur C. Clarke. It's always been one of my favourite quotes from him. And the quote is? Um, there are two two options exist. This is paraphrasing. Two options exist. Either we are alone in the universe or we are not. And both are equally terrifying. So it starts with that quote. Um, and that immediately got my interest. Um, I want to say like about the movie in general, just overall, it's... I think it's really well made because you know the neighborhood that it's set in um it's very believable like it is a real neighborhood like I you know you see a neighborhood like that um really how many neighbors do you see like that in real life that are that perfect you don't uh, it's not exactly perfect yeah it was perfect every all the way down the street every house every yeah. lawn Everything, the pool it's parties, the barbecues. Yeah, but it, nothing is that perfect. It's like a hyper-idealized version of suburbia. It brought me back to, like, E.T. and films of the 80s where there's that community of... Mm-hmm. what well, I... You know, I'm not American, so my American dose of things was through <laughs> movies. So, like, e, I was always like, E.T., oh, so cool. Like, look at the So that explains why you think it looks like right. a real neighborhood. So it brought me back to that. Um, and it looked... And I believed, like, the families and the people. In fact, I I was often looking at it thinking, some of the other families in the other um, houses, and you see them wandering around, and they almost look like they're not actors. Like, they're just, like, people. Like, like, did the... I have to listen to the commentary yet, but did they use just people who lived in the neighbourhood? You know, like, you could... They could do that, right? Mm-hmm. Because some people didn't seem like actors. They looked too like normal people, if you know what I mean. I'm no, not saying... I disagree completely. I thought everyone looked really plastic. Yeah, see, that was one of the things really I liked. really formulated how real to look looked. like the middle-aging dad next door with the khaki shorts and the socks. Which and is how people And then talking to the wife with the ponytail, but too perfect. Mm. The friend was too perfect. They were all just too... So I really liked that whole... Um, how it looked, uh, how it felt realistic to me. The house felt realistic. What people were doing felt realistic. So I liked all that stuff. Um, the movie itself, I think it's creepy as shit. And I, I, I was thinking, I didn't actually know it was uh, aliens, to be honest. So that that's I didn't read that tagline. I thought it was like I thought the kid was possessed, mm-hmm. and he, I guess he is in a way, <laughs> but. Um, I thought it was horror, like like Mama that we saw or something. I thought it was going to be some horror thing. So when it was Aliens, I was one of the first things that crept into my head was, we don't have a ton of those anymore, do we, like alien stories? I mean, no. there's been some over the years, but it's not like a, people don't keep going back to it. Like, obviously, one of my... I disagree, because we have, like, District 9. Yeah, but they're different. I, I'm just talking about more like a... Signs. Yeah, Signs is one, and obviously Closing Counters and things like that, but I'm talking about more of a, like, standard people, you know, aliens coming. Hmm. 
We see a lot of big you know, spaceships. You don't have some big scientific research in the government. And right, the not Independence Day. I'm talking about or Skyline like, or yeah, I'm talking not those big things. I'm talking about more like creepy kind of getting down to you know these these aliens want to come and have a look at us, anal probers or whatever they do to us, whatever we think they do to us. So I thought it was really creepy, and I thought it was really well done the movie. And a lot of the movie, what was good for me was sound design in this movie because whoever did the sound it was awesome like it was like it was scary because of the sounds like when that alarm goes off in yeah. the middle of the yeah it's it's like a like, there's an alarm in the room it's like there's this weird clicking noise when the gray show up like it like in the speakers it's all that stuff was creeping me out um if i had to have a negative i think like i don't think there was enough aliens i you know, it was the ending was a bit loose for me. Like it, and I, I kind of like ambiguous and all that stuff. But it was ordinary, if if it could be ordinary in like a this kind of movie. I mean, yeah, it's not an ordinary movie, but I'm I'm talking about like it didn't surprise me in any way, did it? You, the ending, kind of. I mean, it surprised me as in I didn't think that all along that's where everything was headed. But it didn't surprise me once we were getting closer to yeah. it. But it did in terms of, like, just... Well, I don't like to talk about endings. So let them watch it and see it for themselves. I don't think it's fair. Because I didn't have any preconceived notion well, of what Well, we've it said, said spoilers. So we're assuming people... We'll say spoilers. So people will have seen this um, well, already. No. Don't they listen to see if they should? Well, we'll say it like we do other <laughs> weeks. Spoilers. So we're, we're going to talk about the whole movie. Right. So. I won't give any spoilers, but I will say that the ending didn't bother me. It just, because it kind of fit with my expectations as I went through the whole movie. I just felt it was a bit anticlimactic, without spoilers. It just wasn't satisfying for me in any way. Like, I, you know, I wanted more of them. I don't mean I want to see more special effects or anything, because it's not really even a special effects movie, is it? It's not anything like that, is it? There's not really... Are you saying you weren't ready for the movie to end when yeah, it did? Yeah, really, yeah. Or the ending you didn't like? No, I think there was more to more to play. Uh, Isn't it, that the idea these days, maybe? It is, but I don't I don't want a, a sequel. Yeah. It's the kind of movie that doesn't really need a sequel. You could have really fleshed it out a bit, but... But I um, think the problem is, the question mark is the big part of the whole thing. Going to see the guy in his wall of pictures. The question mark of us not knowing that they're here is the idea. So that being sort of left in the air is exactly appropriate. And there's an alternate ending which is worse, in my opinion. So I'm glad they use the... It's no different, really. Just in a different room. Uh, it's, it's different, as in you... Yeah. It's very different because it doesn't... This one, t- the ending that I don't like, which is the ending that is in the movie, actually is way better because it actually tells you exactly what's going on. Whereas the other one's a bit muddly. You don't actually see the... Hmm. It's very different. Like, I said to you when we watched the when we watched the different ending, wow, that, that's, that's different, but I don't like it as... I, I still prefer the bad ending. Hmm, I felt like it was the same thing, really. Yeah, Just... but I said to you, you need to... It's better that you see it. The Ringa Ringa Roses. It's better that you see that. Than not see it. 
then it's even more like. Oh, you mean that ending? Yeah, I thought you meant the ending. That wasn't the ending. Well, no, that. No, the ending was the garage or the apartment. Right, that's the ending. No, I'm talking about the. What oh, is you're the talking about. Okay, that wasn't the end. That's just like. It was literally a, the last minute or two. No, that's the thing, and then the ending is where they end up, or you know. Right. Okay. So I know what you're saying. All right, now. the scene before the end scene. Then. I preferred the one in the movie, yeah. even though the one in the movie didn't do a lot for me. Um, but I did like the build-up to the anticlimactic. Because there was some really spooky shit going on. Um, I like... Oh, yeah, the birds thing, I really liked. Yeah. But we have seen that before in something else. What did we see that in? They explained it exactly the same way. Don't remember. Day After Tomorrow, was it? The core. Was it the core? The core was magnetic fields. Right, and it was, there, there was that up. whole scene at the beginning with the birds all flying into the building. No, the birds just dropping out of the sky, I believe. Right, and then the they core. explained it about the same thing yeah. as this. But when they tried to say, oh, no, it's this, it's magnetic something. And I really liked that scene with the birds. Probably the best scene in the entire movie for me. Mm-hmm. It was really scary. I jumped. And I didn't expect it. I mean, you know, when you, we've see, I've seen a bird hit the window yeah. in, in our house. It scares the shit out of you. And you go, oh, shit, <laughs> it's really hurt, that bird. And you see them and they like uh, flick and you're like, oh, that's horrible. But this is like... Amplified. <laughs> it was a little overly movie done for yeah. me. You know, it was a little too, like, I know they want to emphasize it and, like, freak you out, but I needed to be, I think overall, I needed more grit, you know, with the whole, well, everything. I needed more. It's one of those movies that is on the fence of committing. It doesn't commit to being fully fucking creepy, and it doesn't commit to being. More fluffy-ish. Now, now I get it. it is a PG PG thirteen movie. That's fine. But before they chose to be PG thirteen, they could have chosen to not be. You know what I'm saying? That's where PG thirteen muddies muddies it up. Like it takes away. Like you get a little bloody nose here and there. But there's no like to me. There weren't any like terrifying moments. I got like jumped a couple times because it was good at. I thought I thought there was quite a few terrifying moments. One of them being where. She walks into the room. Yep, that was like holy shit because it was like the first time. And yeah, and and then it's like hold on, hold on, like is it or isn't it? Like, yeah, it, I, I was like, yeah, that is scary. Imagine that, like imagine being in your house and looking into your bedroom and it seems like there's somebody there. Yes. Yeah. So if there, there was some terrifying moments. I disagree with you. I didn't say there. I don't you know. said there wasn't any terrifying. No, moments. not terrifying. There were like jumpy moments, but terrifying. I was never haunted by any of it. You know, I never felt. You know, the trick in the kitchen. I felt like, oh, that's kind of creepy, but I've seen that before. Because those are the things that people say happened. They've what's researched more that. creepy to me is like the idea of. Like the questions, like, well, how are they getting? How are they getting in? Like, how's that? That kind of creeps you out. Like, what technology's going on here that makes them just appear and just disappear? We, yeah. And inside you, how they get? How they, you know, oh, that stuff creeps me out a little bit. But nothing. But everything was a little bit Hollywood one hundred and one. You know, you've got all the conspiracy theories, all of the little tidbits slapped into one. That's why I said in the beginning is sort of like. Paying homage to everyone who thinks that you've been implanted and they control your brain and they come and take you and they monitor you and you're a lab rat. It's got all that. Superficially. We don't... That's what I'm saying. There's no grit. There's no, like, yes, 
the kid has some bruises on him, which is really shitty with no explanation. So I want some I want some commitment there. Like he needs to be. It's a horrible thought. But we need a little more inclination. What was that about? Like what horrible thing are they trying to figure out from this child's body? You know? But instead it's like you see a little glimpse of a bruise and then everybody freaks out. Yeah, well I, I just assume they're testing him in some way. Right, but that's it. That's a, it's like a it's like a it's almost like an E. T. version of it. It's sort of like Oh, the idea of that is terrible, but you're not giving me any visual clues or any deeper, uh, you know, about it. But you could say that about Close Encounters. The Close Encounters, to me, was more about, and that's why I think this movie was trying to be more about the family and this father who's sort of like the, the progression of this father and this mother. They're not very close in the beginning. They don't even kiss each other goodbye. There's a little moment where you can tell he might have wanted sex and she's just like, I'm busy with this thing. And he, you know, and then, and he's not that, they don't seem that cohesive as a family. And then as it goes on, she gets a little more protective and he then kind of gets almost has the moment. I'm going to take care of business, you know, getting the gun and stuff. And it doesn't happen until the very end. And even then, it's a little bit... That's why I say it's a bit anticlimactic for me at the end. Yeah, it's just a little bit... I mean, I don't want, like, a full-on war against him and aliens. No. I mean, that's stupid. I don't. That's not what this movie is, and obviously not. And that's not what I want. But, yeah, I think there's... I don't want answers. I just felt... It just felt lackluster towards the Part end. Part of my problem Like, it ran out reason, of steam. Yeah, and if near the end he had... They've come together as a family, and now we're going to really board up the windows, and we're going to be prepared. If I'd cared more about them along the way, I cared more about her, but I still didn't feel that deep, that thing. You know, some actresses can do a thing, whatever quality they have, playing a mother, a young mother even, to make you convinced that this woman, this character we're watching will do absolutely anything to protect that child. Like, some actresses give you that, you know, you're convinced from the first moment. I was convinced in Poltergeist, you know. I mean, that mother to me was a mother. Like, this lady does a really good job, but because the dad seems kind of disconnected, that's why as you're you're going up to the end, I don't want... that's going through some heavy stress, right? So it is... Yeah, but he's not playing even, like... He's just sort of like that, I don't know, I don't know, we've got two kids in a nice house and I want to hang out and drink a beer and barbecue with the dudes kind of vibe, but not, I'll do anything to protect my family kind of a guy. Like he was just sailing through and then all of a sudden the shitty things happens and now he's going to have to sort of, she's more tough to me than he is, but I just didn't, not that I didn't care about them, I cared about each individual character. The kids I cared about. I cared about her, you know. I thought they were pretty well realized, the family, to be honest. I I felt like I did when I watched something like Poltergeist, where it's like a family that I care about. Like, I I, I know I I don't think I cared. I think I cared about the father the least. Yeah. But the kids I really got, like, and it was really... I think they did some interesting stuff, like... The, the kid where he was watching porno movies with his friend and lying to the... Per- you know, it was all very yeah. real to me, like what, what a teenager would do. And then the other kid, the creepiness about that thing that was happening to him. And then the real-life situation of these bruises that are all over his yeah. body are discovered by somebody else in the neighborhood. And 
how that kind of throws a thing into the works, like how they could be ostracized because people think they're kid beaters. And I thought there was some cool ideas going on, and I did like the family. I felt that the I felt that the father was kind of a little bit complex because of his situation, and he was like what he was going through. Oh, I thought the opposite. Like he was just nothing. See, like the like work he had no thing. commitment to his work. Because he just gets upset because he doesn't get a job. So he's sort of like a, like, oh, poor me. I, 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 whatever. And then he's bothered by what people think, which in this case is pretty bad. You know, what people could think about him. But he does, I don't know. He's not, there's something about him that doesn't, like, you know, the dad from the remake of The Hills Have Eyes. Not the dad, but the young man who, you know, eventually. He has a lot of the same qualities. Like, not that sort of, like, Commit super like hero kind of a guy, and yet um, at some point there's he, a flick. Clicks, yeah. yeah, switch gets flicked, and then you're convinced now he's like he's over the edge. I think and it's he like um, owns it. this guy never does that. I think that's like Ash from Evil Dead as well. He's just this dude when they go up to the cabin, and then the shares the fan, and he becomes the hero out of necessity. Like that's what they're trying to do with this dad in this movie. But it's just really... But he doesn't really become the hero. Yeah, I would rather see her with the shotgun in her hand. Because I feel like she was more prepared to do anything to defend her family. Yeah. I guess they just didn't go all the way with that idea. Exactly. The commitment of... And And maybe they would say, well, this is sort of like trite. Because, oh, every... Everybody does that, yeah. Yeah, but... In real life, I think if you have a father who's that committed and this kind of crazy shit was going on, there would be a different level of intensity... You shouldn't water it down just because you don't want to make it seem like... Everybody else. Yeah. So, moving on to the cast here. Carrie Russell plays Lacey Barrett. I really liked her. I don't... You, mm-hmm. I, I think she is... I've, I'm not familiar with her that much. She's in, She was in Felicity, which is J.J. Abrams' TV show that he did a while ago. Um, so, I'm not major familiar with her. She's going to be in the new Planet of the Apes movie. Um... I think she commits hardcore to every moment that she's... Yeah. That's what I really liked about her. Why is she banging her head against the wall? Ugh. That scene's, that scene's creepy in itself. If you just watch that scene without the rest of the movie, I think it's pretty... Yeah. Pretty badass scene, to be honest. You know? And there... I mean, the little moments where you're zooming in close on this woman's face. She's got the... Like I probably have now. Sort of a smeared, watery-eyed makeup underneath her eyes. Yeah, There's she's... nothing to hide behind. She just lets it, like, her. You know, she's not glammed up. I That's what I, I appreciate that about. Yeah, they didn't try to, like, sexy her up or anything. No. She's just, you know, I bought her as a, a young mother. Like, it's, I don't know, well, 30-year-old, maybe, mother. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Hamilton plays the uh, father. And like we said, I thought, I thought watching it that I've seen him in loads of things, but I haven't. <laughs> so I don't know who he looks like or... But he's fairly generic, I guess. Mm, I think we've seen him. He's got... I don't know. Um, we looked, but... But I thought he did a good job with her. I I liked them. See, I, I, I like the family. Like, I, I was with them. I was actually scared for them. There's something about him that I just didn't... Uh, he was like maybe that's part of his character supposed to be this sort of like disconnected everything's going fine um I'm re- but he was so wrapped up in his own thing like his sort of pity party about not having a job and 
he doesn't seem affectionate to the children at all. Is that if that's normal, that's fine. But he's not really he, like peck him on the head or yeah, something. Yeah, but I but, think that is how a lot of fathers are, right? True. Like pretty distant and you know, kind of half with them with the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, he was like I say, stressed because of the you know. If he doesn't get a job soon, they're yeah. going to lose the house, the whole thing. Like, I, I, I did feel all that from him. Like, and, and I know it wasn't, it was only telegraphed. The thing is of, about this, fan, why why is that part of the story? I was trying to figure out what purpose does I, that I think just serve? to add the layer of stress, that's all I think it was. Yeah, but... Another layer of stress on top. But it doesn't have anything to do with the thing. It doesn't, but I think it was to, to say, like, these are just ordinary people. They're kind of struggling. It's not perfect. They're you not know? really struggling. They have a huge house. He's an architect. Well, about like, to get took off them. I know, but you still don't identify. You can't identify with them if you're not that kind. No, of No, but family. I think I think that's <laughs> you why know the writers added that stuff, though, just mm. to make it seem more kind of weighing down on you. Like it's not exactly, you know, the best times. But the thing is, he's not coping with that, and he doesn't cope with the whole potential idea of. And that's where he's like a flawed character, which is probably how they wanted him to be, right? He's just not Mr. Hero. He's like, I wouldn't say flawed. That makes him sound too... That's, that's I mean, he's not Mr. Quality. Hero. He's not perfect. He's not, ta-da, I'm going to rescue everybody. Or, ta-da, I'm going to get a job and everybody will be fine again. Mm. You know, but then they didn't... Then in, in one of the deleted scenes, they showed you him drinking quite heavily. Just one because time. Because of the... Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, just, even just one time. In the movie, they don't commit to it, mainly yeah. probably because it's a PG-13 and they were kind of like, want to vanilla it up that. a little bit. Well, heavy alcohol sure, use Sure, we're taking to... pills. I don't see how that's any different. I think heavy alcohol use has to go on the... But there wasn't heavy alcohol. But he it took... would be if you in, if you implemented that into the character. They no. Subtracted he it. took two drinks. Yeah, I know it. he did, but I'm, I'm talking about he took two drinks in the one deleted scene that you saw. But yeah. if the character was going down that path, there would be more than two drinks in the movie. But there weren't any more deleted scenes. So. I, I know, but you have to assume that if the character was wrote as a alcoholic... Oh, I disagree completely. I think it was just in that moment, he just couldn't cope. Just like she goes and takes her pills. I mean, it's exactly the same. I just think that taking that out was time. Because it didn't really mean anything, did it? I think it did. I think it actually is a, a better for that to be in there. Because it doesn't... It just shows that another layer of... You know, he's not perfect... He, he gets so stressed, he has to have a drink. Blacks out. He blacks out in the movie. We just assume he fell asleep. Mm. <laughs> and nobody sleeps that heavy. He just fell asleep, right? Because of stress. Oh, I don't get that at all. But I thought he just was sitting at the desk all night because he wanted to watch the webcam, so he fell asleep at the desk. Yeah, see, I, I prefer the version on the I know, but you didn't even know about the drinking. Until no, I'm so, what I'm saying is when I do, though, I would have liked that to be in there, but I'm thinking... right. Because they wanted to be a little bit less, you know, controversial or whatever. Um, so the the two sons, Jesse and Sam, are played must be played by brothers because they've both got the same second name. So it's Dakota Barrett and Caden Barrett. Um, so it must be brothers in real life, cousins, mm-hmm. brothers. Um, both great, I thought, especially the older one of the two. Yeah, it's good. Um, because he's kind of, I really, I really, really like that scene where this kid's, you know, he's a teenager, and he's hanging around with this kind of douchey dude, 
and they sat they were sat watching a porno movie and when it comes to his first experience with a girl, he just copies the porn. Yeah. So you get what does he say? You've been a bad girl and grabs a boob. Yeah. Not in a funny way either. In a way of. Is this what you're supposed to do? That's what you do, isn't it? Because I just saw it. Like, and I thought that was, it was awkward. It was weird. Yeah, it was. It was good. Though. And the way she controlled the situation and said, "What? What? <laughs> like, I'll show you how to kiss or whatever." I really liked that scene. It was pretty sweet. Um, and that's where I thought, like. Maybe this should be R-rated because there was they they did skirt around some things like drinking and that. That wasn't really R-rated though. Yeah, but you even heard like the sex sounds from the mm-hmm. from the video, like in the. You have a very low threshold for R-rating then, because that was nothing, like really nothing. Yeah. No, I mean that was but, like uh, nothing. But you couldn't sit with your eight-year-old and watch this movie, is what I'm getting at. Sure you could. There was, they didn't show anything except he grabbed one... There was no naked boob or anything. No, that's not what I'm getting at. The sound. You, you know, sound, like, is the same. It's... No, when we... It was just that, oh, oh, Yeah, oh. well, that. You don't want your eight-year-old to wear that, do you? Oh, it's not going to hurt them. You can just say. They're just messing around. Just forget about just it. Just lie to them. They're not just messing around. There was no sex on the screen. Uh, I'm just saying, that, like, <laughs> they, they skirted... You're very sensitive. They skirted around some things. This movie might have been better, is what I'm getting at. Yes, if it wasn't that's outrageous. what I said exactly. And then they could actually Grit commit to bit. some more things. Like, um, So, yeah, and J.K. Simmons appears really briefly, to be honest. It's not... It, it, well, it's a pivotal role in there. It's not... Nah, really he's a, just the expert telling us what we already know. And he's Edwin Pollard. And he's good. I like... I like the idea of... Because there are people like that. I told you... I had a story to tell you. I've already told you, but I'll tell the listeners. Years ago, when I've always... I love the X-Files. Obviously, that is to do with aliens and stuff. Um, And I went to a seminar at the local library (laughs) that announced itself as, if you like the X-Files, you might want to come and listen to what these people have to say because it's like about that kind of thing. So I went to watch it. I've never been to anything like that in my life. It just piqued my interest and it was free to go to it. So I went and it was this room and there was about 400 people in the room. It was huge. And people got up on the podium and they had a projector and they had home videos of spaceships going over the houses. They had stories to tell about, yes, my brother went missing. He's The greys took him and he's gone. And they, they weren't... They were abs- it was the absolute truth to them. The this way- is England. Yeah. This isn't America crazy. No. So the way it was presented was like, no, you don't question this. This is what happened. Like, you see the spaceship I'm showing you on the video, which looked to me like somebody with a mirror, like shining a light on the, you know, it mm-hmm. didn't look very, no, that's an absolute spaceship that came. It took my mother. She's gone. You can check. She doesn't exist anymore. She never died. And that's how it was presented. And I was always fascinated by that. Like, I was thinking, they're a little bit mental or is this something? And it is an interesting subject. Like, I don't think we're alone, personally. I can't even see how that would be a possibility when we know about the universe. We don't know a lot about the universe. What I mean is what we know about the universe, all the planets, you know... Surely there's other life on... Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not saying we know about everything about the universe, but how can we be the only... Yeah. There's got to be... And we, you know... So I I don't believe we're alone. I I also don't believe that there's these little grey men that come either, though. It seems a bit... 
the only reason we believe Little Grey Men is, if you go and read up on it, is and the reason things like the X-Files or everybody portrays them as Little Grey Men is because people who have been through this experience apparently say it was a Little Grey Man. People only started saying that in the 1950s when that's how they were portrayed in the movies. But even people this year who I say... I know what I'm saying, though. That's when that started. Right. It isn't like for all eternity humans have been talking about grey people, grey aliens. No. When they were depicted that way in the 50s in the movies... That's when the sightings of them began. Specifically. So you got to put it in perspective. So I don't believe there's little grey men, because they could be any shape, size, <laughs> form. Any, It could be anything. It could be just the same as us, right? They could could all be here now. You could be one. Hey, you're talking to a Star Trek fan. So I think anything is possible. So it is a fascinating subject. This movie succeeded on a few levels for me, but it is not an ultimate win. Like... But I did like how it captured some of that old movies that I liked as a kid. And the the two of my recommendations this week. It captured some of that for me, but in more modern telling of it. Like, it, I don't know if that was what they were going for. But it, I felt some of the movies I loved as a kid. I think kid. I would have liked less life and more... Not more of the aliens themselves, but more exploring the... what is becoming in that in their world their story the reality of aliens on earth so instead of more of the kid going into the house and not supposed to be there and kissing the girl and hanging around and at the pool and all that stuff well it fills in things where you're supposed to start caring more about the family and it moves the story along a tiny bit at a time make it longer then but add more Maybe meet somebody else who's had the experience, not just the dude who tells you that, oh, you're not alone. You know, he's that expert guy who comes to give you all the facts and make you feel like you're not crazy. But then that's it. You've got no other connection to anybody or... See, that's one of the things I really liked about it. How, like, this is actually happening to them for real. It's actually happening. We can see it happening. Yet... It's one of those things that you can't really say to somebody. Yeah. Like he says at one point. Makes you we, look crazy. We can't tell somebody that this is happening. And then I like the idea of that being isolated even though everybody's all around you. And what people think about you all around you is in this neighborhood, oh, you beat your kids. So we don't like you anyway. So you're alone. like You're just alone in this reality that's happening. I, I, that was one of the things I liked about it. That, that they felt cut off. You can't phone the police and say there's some grey aliens coming into my house. Well, they already called the police. The police have told them it's yeah. emotional problems and the kids are doing it. The security guy says, get some webcams. Nobody... could be something What I mean is they on. never phone anybody and say, we think aliens are coming. Even when they realise that that might be what it is. So they go to Mr. UFO yeah. Man. Who's probably a nut job to most of the world because he lives in his little apartment. He's scared. Loads of cats. Yeah. He doesn't seem scared to me. He's I mean, just, not scared. I mean, <clears throat> like... He's convinced. Shut, shut away from the world because he's he, he knows. So he doesn't want to yeah. be out there. Tinfoil hat man, basically. Um, so, DVD extras. There are not a lot. There is a commentary which I'll listen to this week because I think it'll be pretty interesting. And um, there are some deleted scenes. I don't think the deleted scenes really change anything. No. Did you like anyone in particular? There was no. quite a lot of them. And there's commentary on the deleted scenes too. But there is nothing... There's no produced uh, making of or anything like that. 
Um, so in conclusion... I would say in the spectrum of this type of movie, I don't know what you call it, it's alien movie. It's a mm, almost a thriller, but not exactly. You know, like Suspense. you've got Insidious, you've got Poltergeist, you got these movies where you're you're contained in this you're rooted in reality and yet something supernatural or weird is happening. It actually says what. on the box from the producers of Insidious and Paranormal Activity. Exactly. So. so that's where you're going here. So I don't know what the genre is, but it's entertaining. It's just that I really want it to be a little more gritty. Mm. But I still if you're think watch it was it, fun. Get Poltergeist to go. Well, not with fun it. so much because it's quite grim. <laughs> it's not really fun. It's quite grim. Played grim. Yeah. And the outcome it's is grim. It's quite brooding and foreboding yeah. when you're watching it, right? So it's not fun exactly. It's more atmospheric and kind of jump scary. A few jumps here and there, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's. I like it. These kind of movies, you know. I there's some. I would watch it again. Now, that says a lot, because I wouldn't say that about most movies where I'm sort of middle of the road. But I'd watch it again just so I can watch beyond the things that I didn't... You know, like him, I just need to get over the thing where I just am not buying it. Because the scenes with the kids and the idea of it, and then ultimately the tragedy of it is is really good. It just sneaks up on you in a way where you're not like, um, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm too acclimated to certain formulas I need to not be. Yeah, maybe. So, in conclusion, Dark Skies, it's not really like anything that's been out recently. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it is fairly unique. Um, Like, yes, there's been stories about this before. But like I said to you, not as often as you might think. It's not like... I mean, Signs is the last one Mm -hmm. I can think of. Where it just, you know... Or Insidious, which isn't Alien. Yeah, but Aliens, we don't... Visit, we've, we do visit them, and we talked about this before the show. We seem to visit them on since Independence Day. We seem to visit aliens in that big epic, the aliens are coming to screw over the whole world kind of scenario, rather than the they're coming but we don't. Nobody else knows. It's like this like silent X-Files. threat. X Files or V or something like that. You know, those smaller. Well, V is they're here. Right. X-Files is nobody knows it, but we know it. Yeah, it's I mean, the X-Files, exactly. Which is yeah. one of my favorite TV shows of all time. Maybe that's why you were more... I mean, I love X-Files, too. But it kind of that kind of does loom around. I almost this. felt like, you know, we've not really... I almost was watching this thinking, I've not really seen these kind of stories since the X-Files. Like, yeah. that's how it felt to me. Like, oh, Grey's. You know, I was kind of piqued with that. So, thanks to Anchor Bay for the Blu-ray. Um, I think we both recommend it. I would, yeah. Yeah. Not, you know, it's not the greatest film in the world, but it's... It's above average. Yep. Because it's well made, like you said. It's got really good... It's not overdone on, like, camera stuff. It's no, got a, it lingers a little bit on the, like, looming over a shoulder or coming up really slow sometimes. That gets a little bit boring. Because un- it doesn't really do anything for me, necessarily. But other than that, it's, it looks really good. Yeah, and it's Music not, a, it's really not a CG extravaganza. No, it's no. not that kind of movie not at, at all. all. So don't expect like mega special effects because it really doesn't bother with them so much at all. So um, thanks to Anchor Bay and the contest. If you want to win some DVDs or Blu-rays, just go to ascoli.com. Not have, this one. No, 
but there are plenty of other ones to win. Um, next week's Blu-ray review will be Oz, The Great and Powerful. Very excited to see this movie. Um, Sid Talk, what is your favourite movie ever? Wizard of Oz. So, uh, Oz the it's Great the Wizard of Oz. The it has Wizard nothing to do with any other movie or any other book or any other So you're already movie. down on Oz the Great I'm not down on it at all. But this because you like something doesn't mean you like every other thing that ever possibly mentions it. Now, I love the guy, James Dean. <laughs> I was Franco. James Dean. Franco. And I like spectacles, like Alice in Wonderland. You know, the Sam most Raimi. recent one. Yeah, exactly. I love them. I get completely lost in them. But for it to be a prerequisite, or for it to be assumed that someone who loves Wizard of Oz, and I can say I love it as in I've probably seen it 150 times or more in my life. I'm not a fan person where I've got like Wizard of Oz shit everywhere or anything like that. It is all in my mind. You have got some Wizard of Oz stuff. I do. It's all in a box. In fact, our, um, our Christmas our, tree has some table. stuff. There was a Wizard of Oz piece of memorabilia. On our tail? Yes. That's what my husband bought me. Salt and pepper shaker for Christmas, which is the house and the feet. The so I do love that. Sticking. I have other things too, but it's just a funny thing that you do this. You do it by association because you do it for your own self. Well, if I like this shoot 'em up game, then I'll probably like this shoot 'em up game. If I like this racing game, I'll go ahead and think I might like this. I'm not like that, but... If it's a spectacle and it's entertaining and it like fills in some sort of idea, like, I don't need any answers to why the Oz guy is there though. No, but I, or I how do he think got there. I, I, you know, I like the Wizard of Oz too. I've seen it hundreds of times during my childhood. I'm sure you haven't seen it hundreds of times. I, I bet I've seen it fifty times. I know it off by heart. That was only on once a year when uh, you were a kid. Yeah, we also had it on VHS tape when VHS came along. Um, I saw it a lot. Makes me want to watch it right now. Um, so I am actually excited to see this because I'm a Sam Raimi fan also, and him getting the Wizard of Oz movie right, to me but was it exciting. Isn't. It isn't the Wizard no, of Oz. No, him getting the Oz franchise, you know, getting in on, you know, making something. Yeah, but then again, it has nothing to do with the Wizard of Oz. No, I didn't say it did. But you, pres- you but it's the it's the package deal you're selling here. Is like you love the Wizard of Oz, therefore, but it has nothing to do with it except it's telling the story of how the guy ended up in Oz. Right, which is... In the Emerald City. About. But it isn't. It's like nothing to do with it, except that it's cashing in on an idea that hasn't been told yet about the Wizard of Oz. I don't think it's... That's a very cynical way to look at it. No, I think it's realistic. No, I don't... Hmm, what else can we do with the Wizard of Oz? We've already had, you know, follow-ups, we've had musicals, we've had cartoons, we've had anything. What about that What was the Wizard of Oz 2 like? I never saw it. I never saw it either. I, because I don't care. Was there a Wizard of Oz 2? No, Wizard of Oz 2. Oh, they had follow-ups and, you know, Dorothy Returns to Oz and oh. all kinds of stuff. Which mean nothing to me. With her, the original. No, absolutely not. Like, years later. But it's not, it's not, it doesn't tittle light me. Because it is what it is. And I'm not, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of it. I mean, I like, I really like Wizard of Oz. But this titillates me for some reason. And I think it's Sam Raimi. Combination of Sam Raimi. A big... Franco. Yeah, and a big... It looks to me like a real... like I like things Alice like Alice Wonderland, in Wonderland yeah. or, or Enchanted or stuff like that. You know, take you to a world and you experience yes, it. that I look forward to. But it doesn't have to have anything to do with Wizard of Oz for me to be interested in it. So, we'll take it from there. So, the uh, movie game, movie uh, I didn't actually do one this week. Oh. So, I will do one for you. I'll quit. Now. Okay. 
<laughs> One that you just know off the top of your head? I don't know it. I will look it up. Okay. But I will give it you first. Okay. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I'm going to say 1976. 1976 is the year of... I don't know why I think... All right. Do you know what it is? What? 1977. Oh, my God. Seriously. If anyone listens week after week, I'm always like one (laughs) freaking year off. Always. Almost always. And me too. Why do I think 76? It was made in 76 and released in 77. That's what it is. And mine is... Don't look, don't look, don't look. All right. That's a good one. Chariots of Fire. Chariots of Fire. You've not even seen that movie. I have not. It's a really good movie. If If we explain what this game is, we say a movie. And then the other person has to say... Not guess. Guess the movie. Not guess. You're supposed to use your movie knowledge. Chariots of Fire. Let me think. I'm British, so I should know. Uh, 1982. Is that your guess? Yes. 1980. Oh, God. So you're so I'm close. Two years wrong. You're so close. Yeah. I, I saw it when it came out. I've seen it I multiple times. It. Never, never. I don't even know... I don't even know if I would appreciate it that much now. As much. Because I've already experienced it, if you yeah. know what I mean. It's not the kind, it's not like a rewatch type of movie for me. Yeah. Like I wouldn't really want to watch J. Edgar again. No, I like I like I've took it in and that's it, like, you know. As so, opposed to what movie would you watch again? Um Some Tron reason. Legacy. Right. <laughs> I could just keep watching it. Anchorman. <laughs> Which I know that you watched it every day for a month when the, it first the came out. The Evil Dead. Army of Darkness. Um, Magnolia. You know what? Magnolia, though. My, my favorite movie of all time. I don't want to see it every week. No. I want to experience it again. Yeah. So I have to like wait. Like Groundhog Day, because it's very special Yeah, I have to, to wait us. a while. Once a year and... Love Actually. Love Actually. I can rewatch that over and over again. But Just not... Oh, really? Because I like that once a year thing for that. Yeah, there are, there are movies... Wow. In my glasses, I can see the whole screen right now reflected. That's kind of distracting. Google Glass. Yeah, kind of. So, um... Or it's maybe my alien implant. Movie recommendations for this week. I am going with, and I've already mentioned them both during the review, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It's probably the best alien... Not aliens, but alien... Is is it... Yeah, abduction slash... Uh, What's the second kind, by the way? Aliens. Like aliens in space. I know. We're talking about. I'm talking about grounded or. I know. I'm saying. Close encounters of the third kind. What's the second kind? Oh. There's uh, us. Yeah. So what's number two? And then there's number three, which is aliens. I have no idea. <laughs> have you ever? That Elephants. only just occurred to me. Elephants. Um. <laughs> Think about it. Think about. Uh. Don't know. So uh, my second one, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, is awesome. Um, you should buy it on Blu-ray. It's really good. Um, I think it's still it's one of those movies that actually doesn't feel dated even now. Like Spielberg, like Jaws, same as Jaws. Yeah, Spielberg does that somehow. Like it, it's timeless. Yep. Um, and Poltergeist is my other one. And it's really super over the top. Poltergeist, if you watch it, I mean it's crazy. The guy, it's from the guy who made the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's um. It's really crazy and quite gory and it's weird. 
But... It's only it, too gory things. It has the same vibe as this movie with the... What's gory about it except the walking stake and the thing pulling off his face? There's yeah, those else. two things. Right. Um, and just, you know, it's got... It, the way it's shot, it's, it reminds me of The Evil Dead a lot. Um, there's a lot of the cameras creeping up on things and zooming along and the tree, whole tree scene, obviously Evil Dead. Um, it's crazy. It's really crazy. It's like a crazy movie. It's it's not realistic or anything. It's but I really like it because it's. I disagree. Yeah, it's just totally over the top. What was the movie that we saw that was very similar to it? They were trying to be it almost. They even had like a person come in to like check out the house. Insidious. Yeah. Yeah, the lady Insidious, came in. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was almost like an yeah. homage to it, wasn't it? You know, and you know because they were ghost people. They were coming to find ghosts, and she brought a guy and. Yeah. Poltergeist 2 is also... People don't like it as much. I enjoyed that one as well. Not me. I dislike Poltergeist. I, I like both because we actually had both of them on videotape. So I always ended up watching right. one Right, well that will make you more fond of it then. Yeah. So uh, they're my remove recommendations for this week. And yours are? Mine are... God, I forgot. Oh, uh, Wolfman. Like the original Wolfman. Because... You don't get an explanation why this movie's called Dark Skies. We have no freaking clue. But every time we're about to encounter an encounter, the uh, moon gets covered up by clouds. Well, the opposite happens when uh, Wolfman comes around. So I don't know why I kept thinking of Wolfman. <laughs> Full moon, Wolfman. Original Wolfman, though, where you have to sit and he's like the stop Long frame. Chain. It's not stop frame animation. It's like one thing and then another thing. My favorite um, werewolf movie, though, is an uh, American yeah. werewolf. Of course. It's... it's Mind-blowingly good. But it isn't. Because we just watched it again, not like a year ago, two years ago. We do love it, but then we realize, oh, it has its nostalgia of it sometimes. Do you know the thing that stuck out to me when we watched it on Blu-ray? How short it actually is. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It comes like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, it's over. And you're like, what the... And when I was... Two minutes ago, When I was younger, it felt more of a... Yeah. The ending didn't seem so like, whoop, it's over. It's a really cool movie, though. I mean, It could be extended, for sure. Um, and my other one is Signs, because I don't care what anybody says. I like Shyamalan Ding Dong movies, and I like Signs because it also creeps up on you, and it commits to the, I don't know, there's just something about it. I did enjoy it, like, I liked it because I don't it remember was, a lot about it, for some reason. Well, they're watching the video of the thing, and then the kid's no, I mean, gonna I, die, I don't, and... Seriously, I remember a cornfield. Crop circles. Yep. I remember them coming out of the house and walking with a light. Remember the kid almost um, dying and the glasses of water everywhere. Not fully remember it. It's it's good. It's actually like one of these. It's Mel Gibson, right? But it's got in the Joaquin Phoenix. No, not Joaquin Phoenix. Yes, Joaquin Phoenix. Um, but it, it it sneaks around the issue and then it then it's right in your face. So that's what I like about it. All right. So games and a scully stuff this week. I'll make another one. I'm gonna say War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise. Because that's another alien thing where you're saying the big thing where they come and they're going to like, you know, it's everybody against them. But it's actually not portrayed in that way. It's just like this dude and his kids trying to survive to get through it. I like and then the original bow. Original what? War of the Worlds. I never saw it. I don't think. You did not see it. Black and white. I don't think so. No, I really like it. I, I'm the reason reason why I really liked it a lot is that there's a stage play as well, which was I had the album of the stage play. 
Wow. And it's by Jeff Wayne, War, War of the Worlds. But it's music and then the uh, dialogue interspersed into the music. And that's the one I'm really familiar with. It's the same story. Exactly the same mm-hmm. story. It's just told a bit more sci-fi-ish. Instead I don't know, I think if you'd watch it again, because I watched it recently, and it's it's actually no, I like good. it. I like it. I just I just really like that. I that one when I was a kid, that album. I just used to put that album on, and I was in it. Like it was a double album. You had to listen to four sides of it, and I play it, play it, play it. I had my headphones on. It was one of those things where it stuck with me. So any make or remake of it, it's never quite the same. So, um, games and A. Scully stuff. Remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about those Australian biscuits, Tim Tams? Mm-hmm. We finally got them in this weird... I ordered them from Amazon, uh, and they're Australian biscuits. But when I ordered them from Amazon, they were shipped from somebody in Thailand, and they arrived here... It took five weeks to come. No, it did not. It did. I it looked didn't. at the date. It, did. it was definitely not five weeks. It was five weeks, because we watched... The the reason I figured these out... Yeah, the day you said three weeks. No, it was five weeks. I looked on the date. So, they have finally arrived five weeks later. Um, were they worth the wait? Um, I was underwhelmed, but they were very good. I was not underwhelmed. I can see why they'd be the Australia's best cookie. Because I love chocolate. But they're also just a cheap cookie. Like it's no, it tasted pretty good to me. It doesn't matter. They're still like a, the cheap cookie in Australia is a pack for two pound, two dollars. Now it's not like our Pepperidge well, Farm cookies, no. which are like five dollars a pound. They're a four pound. They're four dollars a packet in Australia. Two two Australian dollars, four US dollars. Hmm. So that doesn't make them a cheap. They're a Pepperidge Farm cookie essentially. In fact, you can buy them is here it? as Pepperidge Farms. Yeah. They're just not... I mean, I was like, this is good. It's just a cookie with some chocolate and... Uh, They're pretty good. I had to pay like $5 for one packet. And there's not many in the packet. Ten, eight, I think, um, is all there was. But yeah, they're, they're pretty good. Um, they're just like... If you're at British, by the way, and you've never tried a Tim Tam, you will have tried a Penguin Biscuit because everybody in Britain's at a Penguin Biscuit at some point. Tim Tams are pretty much a smaller Penguin Biscuit. It's the same thing. So, yeah, if you're English and they don't sell them there, you just get a penguin. So it's basically just two shortbread cookies, very light and crumbly cookies. They have like a chocolate cream in the middle. Covered in chocolate. And then they're dipped in like a fudge kind of chocolate. So it's it's not like super hard, but it's a nice... Yeah. And you know, it's they're, like- a, they're a penguin. And you can buy them in the US, like I said in the other show, in um, Target. And, but it's only a particular month of the year, so you have to have a look. And they're, pe- they're made by Pepperidge Farms here, so they'll be in that part of the Target aisle. But they're exclusive to Target. It's a weird thing. Like, why not mm-hmm. sell them everywhere? Because people would buy them, right? They're tasty. It's not that. It's like, like Ore- a- Oreo might, Nabisco might be like, nope. I mean, there's some of that goes on sometimes. Why? Competition. I don't know. Hmm. Or stores have exclusive deals. Well, we only sell Nabisco. And, and it also might those. be one of them things where it's like they're kind of legendary in Australia. And it's like a, I, when I went hunting them out, there's like YouTube videos of people. Oh, I, I spent this much to get them imported into my country because I went to Australia, tasted these cookies, and now I live somewhere else and I get It's like them. ranch dressing. It's pretty much an American thing. Yeah, one of those things. So when you things. go to Europe, it isn't there, but a lot of people so come people here. So people would pay it. to get it right. sent there, right? So maybe it's one of them. Or like you with your PG tips. Right, so if you're an Australian in America, you can actually pick some up now. 
But obviously, there's lots of stores that have them. They, yeah, just... they sell them at international markets probably yeah. as well. So um, games that I've been playing this week, I've been playing Grid 2, which is Codemaster's new racing game. And you've seen this uh, me play this this week on the PC. Um, really good graphics. It's like a, almost like a next generation game has appeared before the next generation of games come out. <laughs> so Grid 2 is the sequel to Grid from about four years ago. Uh, and if you've, you've seen these games, um, Dirt... You've seen me play Dirt, which used to be the Colin McRae games. And then they turned into the Dirt series of games. And there's been Dirt 1, Dirt 2, Dirt 3. Well, this is in the same... It's by the same people, the Codemasters racing team. But this is more their not-Dirt version of Dirt. It's Tarmac. You could call it Tarmac instead of Dirt. What do you call it? Asphalt. Asphalt? Yeah, you could call it Asphalt. Because that's what it is. It's uh, track-based... Or road racing instead of dirt racing. So what this game does is it takes all the presentation and everything from the dirt series, which is always really cool. These cool menus that are all animated with this really cool racing, and it takes takes it to track racing. And there's all different types of racing, like drift racing and like touring cars and indie cars and not Formula One, but you know those kind of cars. Um, and it's a huge game. It's like um, the campaign, which has a story mode, actually. It's not just, here's a bunch of races, race them. It's actually this premise of, there's this guy, and he's like a rich guy, and he wants to bring all these disciplines of racing together and make them popular, like NFL. You know, like you know, like a, a, a franchise. So it's called like the WRC or something. He wants it to be a thing that people watch. So this rich guy is looking for an up-and-coming racer that nobody really knows about who's good to work for him to go around the world to show all these like small race clubs like the Tokyo Drifters and people like that that there's this big thing that you could all be a part of to make this big, you know, like the NFL for racing. Well, no, because the NFL is only one thing. Oh, all right then. What would be a better? The Olympics it has all kinds mm, of kind things. of, I guess, but but for racing. So, so what you do is you go all around the world and you take place in these races, and you're proving to these people that like this thing would be a good idea to get them all together to have this big event. Now, how the score progression works, which is really cool, is you're not earning money. To upgrade your cars. It's not that. You're earning fans on the internet. So it's about like you going viral. That's the idea. Like like you're this dude who's going around and showing all these car clubs. First you're entering races with these car clubs to get yourself noticed. And then you're earning fans as you go along. So like every so often like a cutscene will occur and it's like oh... And it shows you like message boards and people talking on message boards. And then your name will be in there. Like it'll say, you know, A. Scully. A. Scully, the official thread. And it'll be like a forum. So that's how they kind of show you that it's get you're getting more and more famous as you go along. And it has this tally of how many fans you've got. So each race earns you some more fans. At the moment I've got about 3 million fans. So it's like, I don't know how many you have to get to. But the story mode is about 30 hours long, apparently. And I've been playing for 11 hours, so... So it's a really cool game. I recommend it. It's available on Steam 
for PC, and that's the one I would uh, advise you to buy, to be honest, because I've also looked at the 360 version, and it's not quite as good looking. And I don't, by not quite, I mean not at all. <laughs> it doesn't look as Why good. Why does it matter what it looks like? Because... When you're racing, you're not looking at shit. Yeah, you're absolutely looking at everything. How you know? can you look at everything? It's just, you know, like realism and immersion. It happens through visuals and audio. So... Thanks for that. <laughs> I'm saying in a video game. So, yeah. so this game... But is, you're racing at like 100 miles an hour. How can you possibly be bothered by what it looks like in the well, background? you're looking at your car. You're looking at how detailed the car is. You're looking at... There's really, really cool effects in the PC version that don't take place in the Xbox version at all. One is mist. There's a lot of mist on the track when you're driving in the morning. It makes it look more real. Um, leaves blowing across the track. Leaves that kick up off the ground. All those things add to the, you know, the immersion of... Uh, and it, and I'm ta- these graphics in this game, Grid 2, they're... The best graphics you've seen, pretty much. Like, like they're really... On the PC, they stand out from everything else. Like, you know when you just say, oh, it doesn't matter in a racing game, could look like anything, because you're not looking... I didn't looking. say that. I'm saying, how could, as you're driving, all that... How look at that difference? Fast and the Furious game I played last week. That right, but I'm just sitting looking at it. I'm not racing in it. So if I'm sitting looking at it and it doesn't look great, that's one thing. But if I'm racing, I'm not looking at anything. I'm just racing. Yeah, but you are looking at everything when you're racing. The difference in this one, though, is... Then I'm not racing, right? Because I can't focus on anything except the road. In the PC version, um, what I noticed first, and this is, like, very different to the 360 version, is the density of the city. There's one of the levels where you're racing in Dubai, and Dubai is a really dense, very visual city, right? I mean, it looks... It, it looks, like, spectacular. Especially when you look at it from a, a helicopter. Um, in the PC version, they've modelled all the buildings. So when you look, there's hundreds of buildings all, all up against each other. On the, on the Xbox version, there are about ten buildings. Right, I get you. Like, it, 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 it gives you this feeling of you're looking at a photograph or you're looking at a video game. Like, it, there's a lot more modelled in it. So, um, yeah, that's Grid 2. It's available on PS3, 360, and the PC. But I'd recommend the PC if you've got a decent enough PC to play it. I've also been playing this really... This is not a game that I would normally play. And it's called Poker at the Inventory. And what it is, is um, Telltale Games, the guys who made The Walking Dead, they've made this poker game. And this is an old... This actually um, poker... The Walking Dead, the good one, or The Walking Dead, the the good one. one. So there's Poker at the Inventory 2 as well. But this is just the first one that I'm playing. Um, but it's a poker game. But the big what well, the twist on the poker game is you sit at a table and you play with other video game characters. And they're all voiced. And they very rarely say the same thing twice. It's almost like playing with a bunch of video game characters. Now in, in the first edition of this Poker at the Inventory you're playing with... Um, Tycho from Penny Arcade, but his cartoon version of him. Uh, the en- the big heavy guy from Team Fortress, who's like, you know... I don't know who these are. Well, Tycho from Penny Arcade, you know, right? You, you know Penny Arcade? Mm, I know of them. It's I've like, a, it it's like a website where they draw a comic. I know that, but I'm just saying I don't know of them, really. Right, you've seen the two dudes in the comic strip, though, right? 
He's the guy with is the like tall guy with the spiky hair. Mm. But he's brought to life in this game like a video game character. And it's him voicing it, so it's Yeah. It's kind of amusing. Um so then there's also the engineer from Team Fortress 2, which is a big, massive Russian guy. And anybody who plays Team Fortress 2 knows exactly who he is. He carries a big minigun. He's one of the characters. Strongbad is one of the characters who's like from an indie game, who a lot of you won't know who he is. But he's kind of funny in this game anyway. Um, and the fourth one is Sam from Sam and Max, which is one of Telltale's adventure games. Very similar to The Walking Dead, but like a comedy game. So you're sat at the table with these four dudes and you're playing poker with them. And the idea is to win the poker game, obviously, but you you earn like new scenarios as you win. So you're never really going to hear them say the same thing again. You might be able to play for ten hours and they're always saying different things. Um, like Tycho's really... He swears all the time and he's really obnoxious and you can turn the swearing off if you want and just have beeps and actually the beeps make it funnier it's funnier not to hear him say the actual swearing words um, they, all of a sudden you'll be playing cards and one of them just starts telling a story to another one and you hear the whole thing so it's like really interesting and, and actually the poker at the inventory 2 the new one that just came out GLaDOS from um, Portal is one of the characters you play against and Ash from the Evil Dead is one of the ones you play against. So I'm more interested in the second one. I just wanted to see what it was like. And this one was actually very cheap. So that's Poker at the Inventory. It's on Steam. It's really interesting. I'm not very good at poker. Do you understand poker? No. I understand it, but really rudimentarily. And I get through it by kind of like bluffing all the time. Like in video game poker, they will all play the cards and I'll go all in. And they'll all fold and I'll win all the money. Right. That seems to be how I play. I don't think that would work in real life because people would get wise to it pretty quickly. Computer characters don't seem to get wise. And they'd be pissed off because that's not playing. Not really, is it? <laughs> but I seem to win that way. So um, there's a new game out this week I will be playing on Tuesday. It's called Remember Me. It's one that I've actually been really looking forward to. And what it is, is it's like a... I'll talk about it next week, but I'll talk, tell you what it is. It's, um, it's by Capcom. And it's a game where you're this girl who can go into people's memories and see what happened in a particular... She's, From what I can see by the um, trailer, she's almost like a detective. So she can... It's in the future. And there's some kind of device where you can plug into people's minds. You know, very sci-fi trope thing. And she can see what happened. But not only can she see what happened, she can change people's memories. So I saw like a clip on the trailer where she, some guy had done something wrong, like a mur- murdered his wife, and she'd gone into his memory, and he was unremorseful to this murder, and just going on with his daily life, and she figured, and she went into his memory and made it so he was the opposite, and he kills himself. So it's like a interesting, I don't know. It's like something out of a sci-fi film. It sounds interesting to me. I just don't know how well that gameplay will go on. Because it seems like it might be the kind of um, game where you can only play it once. Because once you know... Well, yeah. Why, wouldn't, why would you want to play it again? But it seems to have fighting and, but, and it's set in the future. And the whole vibe of it looks kind of like the fifth element or uh, Blade Runner or something. You know, some yeah, it's sci-fi future. So that's it for this week, Hayes. Um, 
What have you got? What have I got? Yeah. Don't you mean... What's for dinner? <laughs> well, today's pretty uneventful. Veggie burger, french fries... So people who listen to the show probably think that's all we eat. Because we probably say that most weeks. So it's a big portion of what we eat. <laughs> Morning star veggie burgers. And a right of french fries. Some Campbell's pea soup. And some broccoli and cauliflower. And that's it. It sounds so, really good. And I'm it very does. Uh, and some Aldi buns. Because I went to Aldi. I forget we have Aldi here. And it's so cheap. And I don't care what anybody says. There are lots of things that just because it's cheap doesn't make it bad. And their bread has turned out to be fantastic. The Actually, buns, the bread. funnily enough, their bread. The wheat, I only eat wheat bread. But their wheat bread is better than the wheat bread that costs... Three dollars, four dollars. I'd rather it be a bit thicker, but you can't control that, right? Right. Um, but the actual taste of the wheat bread is Yeah, the texture is it's really good. The buns it's are really soft. good. I've done the Kaiser rolls, the hamburger buns. Haven't had any of the white bread yet, but... Um, so that's what we're having. And my advice is, if you can, contain your adultness and your frustration with what could potentially turn out to be a bad situation... I recommend having a long, involved conversation with a teenager that's not about something petty and stupid like their attitude or their dirty clothes on the floor or why are they giving you sass. None of that bullshit. Because you know what? It doesn't matter ultimately. Yeah. It doesn't matter ultimately in the long run. They're just, they're going to be adults and you need to get over it. But have a conversation with someone who's 15, 16, 17 years old about some bigger thing in life, a big picture. Children outside right now are having a field day with the nice weather, I'm assuming. Hey, yo, hey, yo, ha, ho, ho. That's what we're hearing right now. But I'm sure you can hear it too. Back to the teenager. Um, you know, this weekend, this week I had a conversation with my nephew, 16, about the big idea of what is an insult or appropriate in direct relation to, particularly, sexual harassment or the way that you know, the potential for insulting, a, for a man to insult a woman in a workplace or some other circumstance, kids. And one of the examples I gave was you and your friends are sitting around and a girl walks by and one of the boys says, oh yeah, I'd fuck her. <laughs> yeah, give me whatever. Some stupid boy thing that they would say. What does he think about that? Does that seem right? Does that, to me, that's an insult. To him, it's like, what do you mean it's an insult? What if she likes it? What if it's a compliment? What if it isn't? Then we got the bigger picture of sexual harassment. And then the bigger picture of the the gender equalities of our whole species, you know? That it's a fine line between, and on one hand, you have this attitude about women. And then these people have that attitude. And where do you, how do you learn to navigate around it in the world? And then we're on the mostly on the topic of what's an insult. But what if I didn't mean it as an insult and you don't take it as an insult, but the person over there hears it and thinks it's an insult? Is it an insult or isn't it? And it was a really good conversation. You know, it wasn't focused on like, well, did you get homework done? What did you do this? Well, why do your shoes stink? Or, well, you know, take, go take a shower. Or have you shaved today? You know, that shit that you just get hung up on. I'm not a mother, so I don't get hung up on those things necessarily. But I'm just saying, talk about something big. Don't be afraid of the big topics, you know? And keep your cool. Don't be like, well, you're just stupid and young. Like, I have occasion to say, like, his response will be like, you know, he'll say something that is 
clearly rooted in an innocence about the world, right? Like a lack of experience. And I'm just like, well, this is because you're wrong. Like, I just know you're wrong because this is how it is in the world. But then you have to think like, well, but that's where you're coming from when you're a young person. And I'm coming from now when I'm learning about other things in life. You don't know everything. And I can't just inject him with everything. So he has, you know, whatever his perspective is now, I think planting the seeds of thinking about a big topic in a teenager's mind instead of just constantly talking about bullshit stuff like homework and sports and, I don't know, superficial shit, you know. I think you'll find it's very satisfying. Just don't lose your cool. Their opinion does not have to be your opinion just because they haven't seen a lot about the world. And yeah, you you definitely know talking to kids that... um... They're complete, like from an older person's point of view. You're just completely wrong. You will learn, right? And then you, but then you think, but are you? You're not wrong. You just haven't seen or, or experienced the things. Cases. Not always. Not Very always, s- but sometimes. I think wrong isn't right. It's more like when you don't have a, a like sort of a buildup of information in your mind about something. Then yeah, you just have this sort of like blank slate about it. But is that a good thing? Should you fill in all the details and, like, slam them with all of reality or let them navigate on their own and figure it out? It just makes for a really interesting conversation. And that's uh, it. That's it. That's it. And finally, I bought some new um, running shoes this week. And I just want to say this to people. They're um, Vibram Five Fingers running So you've abandoned your other new ones, I see. No, I'm wearing both. Oh. So the Vibram Five Fingers running shoes. And now these are barefoot running shoes. They're downstairs on the treadmill. Right. Um, these are barefoot running shoes, these ones. So these are like literally no padding, no nothing. You're just running on your bare feet. They've got pads. Now there's no arch support or padding or anything. It's just a sole and a shoe. There's right. no... I mean, there's pads under the pads of your feet and your toes. Yeah, but it's, it's the same as running bare feet. Yeah. That's the idea of yeah. these. Um, one thing I have to say to you, and it does say on the box, and I completely Read neg- the instructions. negated it. <laughs> I just put them on and did did a normal run, two miles, and uh, it was fine. And then I did another run the day after, two miles. And then today, no, today I've not done a run because I don't run on Saturdays. My feet feel like they're about to fall off. Oh. Like the arches of my feet are, you know when you do some exercise... Like that you've mm-hmm. not done for a while and you feel... Or you shovel snow. Yeah. Yeah. Your sides of you feel weird. My feet feel like that. And then explains to you what has happened. Like, it's actually this big, long history of humans kind of explanation that we've trained our feet to be in certain things and bound up and that our muscles and our everything's have actually grown a certain way. And right. that by running barefoot, you're actually... Just like when you're working out muscles for the first time, you're ripping and tearing things to where they should have been. Yeah. So that's why it hurts. So normally, like, when you run... But it tells you very specifically, only wear them for, like, 10% of your workout and don't do it every day. And And I was kind of like, no, that'll be fine. I'll just run. I run every day. I'll be fine. Yeah, well, don't do that. So I'm going to switch between... I've got two pairs. I'm going to switch between them um, day to day. But, uh, you know, one thing I did find is... I land on my heel when I'm wearing my Nike. I've got some Nike Air Max, which has got a big, massive air pocket on the back. 
So it's quite fine to land on your heel on that nice big fat air pocket and it's very cushioned and you feel, ah, oh, it feels good. So you run up like this when you should be running a right. like that. So you, like sh- on your you should be landing foot. on the ball of your foot. Which, right. um, with these shoes, it's so painful to land on your heel, you automatically will not do it because you, you'll start running and you go, ow, ow, that really hurts. Does it turn you off of running at all? Does it make you want to put your Nikes back on? No. So it may, this makes you want, this may, well, not want to, have to land on the ball of your foot because it doesn't hurt. So what this does is it, that's the proper way you should run. So if, if you put your Nikes back on tomorrow and ran like that, would it be really weird? Yeah. Even prob- after just a few days? Probably because I'd, I think I'd be thinking to run on the front. So if you, apparently, like what they've done research, if you look at like tribes and people who've never wore shoes and watch them run, no, they never strike with their heel on the mm. floor. So they, they run on the balls of the feet, which is how we're designed to go faster that way. If you look at professional track athletes, they don't run on the heels either. We've just been kind of conditioned into, oh, here, here's your shoes with the nice soft heels. That's how you're going to land because that's the soft part of your shoe. So these shoes kind of encourage you to run the other way. And there is a learning period where you might be sore. So, I'm looking forward to doing it again. And they're really cool. I like how lightweight they are, and I like it kind of doesn't hinder you in any way. Because they're actually pretty heavy, like Nike shoes, that I wear. Mm-hmm. don't know if yours are heavy, but mine are really yeah. heavy. Yeah. A, a, a pair of these, there's nothing to them. It's just like... So, that's uh, running tips for this week. Thanks for listening to the uh, this show. This show has everything. It has office chairs, and food, and video Aliens. games, and movies, and opinions, and shoes. Holy shit. We've got everything. So thanks for listening to the show. Annoying We're... children outside. And just so you know, we don't have children. And this is why I can say children are very annoying sometimes. So I want to remind you about <laughs> our websites. Ascoli.com, SidTalk.com. You can catch us on all the social networks. Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, Steam, YouTube. You can catch the podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Zoom Marketplace. Or just go to the page ascoli.com click on the word podcast all you'll need is there email feedback to me at ascoli ascoli.com don't email Sid Talk because uh, she don't care and I don't know what to stay classy stay classy uh, movies about aliens more movies about aliens please and I'm going to say think for yourself because if you don't do it someone's doing it for you 